When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Dripping in sex appeal. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Green pass too low, but Curry recovers. Shot clock winding down. Curry's going to have to put it up, launches it up. Shot clock. Oh, he knocks it down. Steph Curry with the shot clock expiring. Coming up on three and a half remaining. As Golden State. Curry way outside. Another three. Steph Curry has set a finals record. His ninth three-pointer of the game. Uh, every shot that he takes that goes in, he has a business of making them. That's what that's what he does. So shouldn't be surprised or, or deflated at it. You know, take the ball out, move it forward, and uh, try to execute another end. My appreciation for Steph off the charts now. I thought he, he was good before, but after actually attempting to shoot a basketball from high school three-point range, <laughs> I now think he's a god. He's gone from being an incredible athlete to a guy. How about the play? I know oh you have a number here, but yeah. like, how about the play where he and I was at the Gopher baseball game last night? So I'm, I just watched some of the highlights of what happened, and he kind of zigzags his way. He does a couple crossover back steps as the shot clock was winding down. Yes, he did, and just takes a fadeaway with a hand in his face from thirty feet, and it looked gorgeous. Nothing but twine, and it looked absolutely gorgeous. It's uh, he's a video game character. So he he sets a a, a finals record last night. Hits nine of seventeen three pointers. Just to put that in context of how this game has evolved and changed, though, I saw the stat this morning in the entire nineteen ninety one finals. So the entire thing, not just one game. The Chicago Bulls made five of 21 threes. So Steph Curry went nine for seven in the finals. So Steph Curry made an NBA record nine of 17 three point attempts last night. Wow. And Ray Allen had the previous record that he set in 2010 with Boston at eight. But the point being, the Chicago Bulls in the entire 91 finals, five of 21. And that, and then that, that's a team with BJ Armstrong and John Paxson and Michael Jordan, obviously. Yes. And but but it's like the three point snipers, the Mark Price types from the eighties and the nineties that you think of as these old school shooters, and even Reggie Miller, they weren't shooting nearly as many threes. In fact, so Steph Curry, some of these guys are shooting. Well, let's use Wayne Ellington as an example. He comes off the bench for the Heat, and Wayne Ellington averages like maybe twenty five thirty minutes, and he'll shoot seven or eight threes in a game, and he makes forty percent of them, and that's pretty. That's not uncommon for someone to average between five and ten three-point attempts per game. Reggie Miller is one of the greatest three-point shooters in the history of the NBA, right? We all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Kind of an unorthodox, uh, unorthodox shot. He, early in his career, was taking four, you know, three and a half in 1993-94. And then eventually he'd get up to like maybe six three-pointers per game. And Steph Curry takes 17, 17 of them last 17 night. 17 makes nine, yeah. Yes, it's amazing. 
I have this video. I can't remember if we were talking about this during the break. Dave, you tipped us off to this. The four-minute clip of LeBron. Yeah. I just watched it during the break. Uncomfortable, isn't it? Oh, my God. So if you haven't seen this, I'm going to retweet this from from my account here just so people can see this. But it's uh, ballislife.com sent this out. And it's essentially... For me, when I watch this, it's it's a four-minute clip after J.R. Smith botches that play in game one, and it's just a still shot of the bench, like Dave was describing. And the first minute and a half is just LeBron and J.R. Smith sitting a seat apart, not looking at each other, not speaking, and LeBron just wiping his face off with a towel. (laughs) And then at the 130 or 140 mark, for for my observation, it's Uh the moment where LeBron James officially decides, I'm leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers. (laughs) Because he asks Ty Lue, hey, hey, do we have no ti- we have no timeouts? We had no timeouts? And Ty Lue gives a quick, we had one. Or we had a timeout left. And it was every ounce of energy and emotion and passion that LeBron had throughout the entire game left his body. You can see it leaving his body as he slumps down in his chair and puts a towel over his face. And Jeff Green had to come over and console him for like 20 seconds. <laughs> And this is like this is right before they're about to reload for overtime. He had to know that though, right? Pro- he's like he, LeBron probably he did, probably but like, but he probably wanted me. he probably wanted tie he I think what he was doing is because in that moment LeBron didn't no one, in fairness no one realized what was happening until there was like a second left. But I think he wanted Ty Lue to admit I bleeped up. I didn't call a timeout as the head coach. I'm watching this right now. But that's the moment where he loses all trust in his coach, all trust in his teammates. If he didn't already, it confirms what it confirms what LeBron probably knew. It was like in the middle of Space Jam, where Michael Jordan leaves Michael Jordan's body, or whatever. <laughs> or like, or no, I guess it was all the other the, players, not Michael Jordan. The look but. of these guys on the bench, though, is just fantastic. What, what, all, what, describe what you're watching right now. LeBron now is is staring at the scoreboard. J.R. Smith is this after he asked about timeouts? Is, yes, I think so. Because okay. J.R. Smith is just in sitting there very quietly, shaking his head, and there's two guys behind him who look like they're with the team who are just like, this didn't really happen, did it? And there's just this really awkward nothing but silence, it looks like. If you're the greatest player on planet Earth right now, LeBron James... What can Jeff Bleeping Green say to console you? <laughs> That's a great point. I mean, so, hey buddy. there, bud. It's all right. We'll we'll get him an OT. And the fact that if you play well, the fact that they don't even have anyone on their staff or on the bench that has enough clout to console him, right? Yes, Tyloo can't even do it. He's the head coach. No, no. And this is actually so. It's obvious in that moment if he didn't already lose respect. For Ty Lue. That's the moment where he's done with Ty Lue. But he's going to play out the series, and he almost had a triple-double last night, and I'm sure they might even win a game or two when it gets back to Cleveland, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's still a series at some point here. But but remember that look on his face when Ty Lue says, we had a timeout. So not only could J.R. Smith have won the game, I could have stopped this debacle from happening by calling a timeout as the coach right. in that moment. And, that's the mo- and, and one of the most untalked-about things, we always talk about Jordan's teammates and Kobe and these... Phil Jackson had so much clout, especially at the end of that Bulls run, and so much clout in Los Angeles, and was so well-respected by star players. No one ever tried to run Phil Jackson out of Los Angeles, or no, no star player anyways, tried to run him out, right? Kobe loved playing for him, Michael loved playing for him, and LeBron's never had that sort of... He had Pat Riley in the front office, 
But he's never had that godfather he's never overseer really gotten that coach figure type, right? Never. Because he had Mike Brown. Jordan Jordan got Collins fired very quickly in Chicago. Magic got was it Westhead fired in LA. But then Magic to had Riley Pat Riley very quickly. But LeBron for the most part has never never had the he hasn't gotten his guy. Like Lou is it's 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 as if in Cleveland it, it's been okay. Let's let's fire this guy because LeBron doesn't like him, and we'll get we'll get this guy to babysit for him. But he's never brought in. Let's let's just go get LeBron's guy, like a, a Stevens that's or a guy ne- like that. That's because he's never had Jerry Buss as an owner, this visionary yeah, Dan, owner, right? Dan Gilbert, yeah. But I can't stop watching this video. <laughs> it's amazing. J.R. Smith doesn't talk the entire time, as far as I can tell. Nor should he, by the way. No, but he just sits there. And you could tell he's like, what did I just do? Did you see he fi- he did go back a couple days ago and said, yeah, I guess yeah. now that I thought about it, I really didn't know what was going through my mind. Yeah, I did. Like, dude, you didn't know the score. Just And you should have said that from the get-go. You didn't know the score. It's fine. Like, <laughs> you I mean, It's not fine, but you might you, as well admit it. You didn't know the score. You didn't know the timeouts left. Mm-hmm. You basically, when, when it came to everything that when Hill took that free throw, you should have known, you knew none of it. When they were down by whatever it was, 10 or 12 at halftime last night, or even after the game when they get blown out by 20, how many Chris Paul to LeBron James text messages were sent? How many times, is, oh, like, knowing started, how vindictive yeah. Chris Paul is too, how many times has he texted LeBron during a game like, I want to miss that shot. I would have known how, I, I would have known what I the score know is. I would have known what the score and the timeouts were, yes. You, you know who would have called timeout in that spot? Mike D'Antoni. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Wetmore is going to come in here in about 20 minutes or so. We'll talk some twins. Actually, we'll, let's get into some twins talk when we come back here, too. And open phone lines if people want to chime in. And or if people saw the video of Judd taking on the Houston Rockets three-point <laughs> challenge on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash 1500 ESPN. The vent lines are open for that, too. 651-646-8255. It's puke lines, dude, not vent lines. <laughs> the man card lines. And they're closed for Judd. Hang on. Mackie and Judd will return shortly Hurry up. on 1500 ESPN. Attention! Radio alert. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. A high fly to center field. It's hit deep. Zimmer back. Gone! A walk-off home run for Rosario, his third of the day. A game that had, you know, little twists and turns along the way. Um, it was it was nice to see that we were able to overcome uh, Encarnacion t- taking the lead for those guys. And, you know, we got the Dozier and Rosie Homers to put us back ahead. They responded. Um, and then, you know, it, it was Rosie's day. I, I've seen a lot of good days in 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 the big leagues. Um, but I don't know if I've seen one that was a little more dramatic than that. Uh, the crowd at Target Field. What's you know? We're not talking forty thousand uh, butts and seats anymore, like a few years ago. But the crowd at Target Field has really embraced Eddie Rosario as the central star figure of this lineup, which was not really foreseeable a couple years ago. I think. Well, I was definitely on the side of I don't know. This dude swings at way too many pitches, and he's just he's just a little bit too sporadic, and you can probably take advantage of perceived value. Obviously, it would have been a huge mistake to trade him, and I will fall on that grenade, and it's like top three most wrong I've ever been speaking into a microphone. But uh, you've been to enough Twins game. Doesn't it feel kind of like with Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano, and they've kind of faded out and they've sputtered that 
the the fans react to Eddie Rosario as the star player in this lineup right now. I'd say so, and his his style of play is so fun too, because yes. and and this this is where he somehow found a he went from being I would say three years ago he was good, but he was irresponsible. Like he'd make plays in the outfield and you throw it to the wrong base and you'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, and he he'd have at bats that were just stupid. He still he still plays with an irresponsibility at times, but he's like reined that, that that in enough now where it's effective and it's fun. Previously, I think it went from being in the twins' mind and the fans' minds to being maddening to now it's just fun. Yes, because he still swings at absolute crap sometimes, and it's a, and it's slop. Yeah, three three home runs off three pitches that weren't strikes. Is really interesting. Yeah. At best, at best, the the walk off was some umps might call it at the top outside corner of the K zone, but I don't think. So. I think you're right. I think it was three pitches that if he wouldn't have swung, would have been, you know, whatever ball three. Um, I got his his projected numbers here too. He is according to so right now he's batting three seventeen with a three fifty two on base percentage and a, a five seventy three slugging percentage, which is. If you compare compare back to two years ago, uh, when he was a four twenty one slugging percentage, so we're talking a completely different hitter compared to two years ago. And Fangraphs has him with another sixteen or seventeen home runs, another fifty to sixty RBIs. So we're talking at the end of the year. If you if you trust these projections in the way that if you trust that what he's doing right now is not a fluke, and I think we would all agree it's very much not a fluke. He's just an amazing hitter. He's going to wind up with like thirty bombs, close to a hundred RBIs. He's going to hit. Might, maybe the average drops a little bit, but he's going to hit around 300. Um, it's it's production that you just haven't seen a lot of in the Twins lineup outside of once in a while, like this a guy true. here or there. Yep. And durability. The guy plays every day. Yep. He played 151 games last year, and he's uh, he's played 55 games so far this year. You brought up a fun question in our in our email exchange last night. Who are some other Eddie Rosario type players? And I took that to mean sort of two things. Fun to watch, sort of uh, non cookie cutter type players, and or players who are a little bit under the radar. It wasn't that we didn't hear about Rosario in the minor leagues, but a little bit under the radar and kind of popped up. And I mean, the, the obvious one to me would be a, a Stefan Diggs or an Adam Thielen, spirit, but not quite as quirky as Eddie Rosario. The spirit of the question was basically this What players have you gone to watch and you're like, and they go to uh, make a play and you say to yourself, no, no, no. Oh, oh, nice play. Yeah. He almost robbed a home run because, yesterday, too. Yes. But he's the type of player who he'll be going, he'll do something, and you'll be like, I wouldn't do it. No, Eddie, don't do it. Oh, oh, it worked. It's a home run. Yeah. Or a great catch. So the spirit was, what players have you seen who who at times are irresponsible, but it works? Well, Matt Dumba's a little like Matt that. Matt Dumba's my choice. Okay, from the wild. There's, there's, and he, and you have to just live you know, with the fact that Rosario is going to get thrown out once in a while, running the bases. Yep. He's going to swing at terrible pitches and look horrible and strike out on three pitches. And Matt, Matt Dumba's going to going to throw a a dumb pass yep. across ice, right? Or or he'll start a play and you'll say that's stupid. Oh, it just worked. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't. But Dumba struck me because because Rosario and Dumba both have the ability that that when it works, it's not just a good play. It's fun to watch. So could we call these the no, 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 yes, yes players? that's exactly what they are. Because Jamal Crawford is a no, 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 yes player. 
No, Jamal. No, no, no. Oh, God. No, there's a hand in your face and you're shooting from 30 feet. Oh, you just cashed one at the shot clock buzzer. I'll give you a Viking who did this, who drove you crazy, and there was a lot of downside, but but when it worked, it was a, a lot of fun. Cordero Patterson. No, 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 yes. no, don't no, take don't. it out. Don't take it. Okay. And and if you were a coach and you could live with with the fact that he couldn't run routes perfectly, Cordell Patterson could get the football and make plays. But you had to accept the fact that the quarterback was going to have to find him and that he didn't run the exact right route. But then if he got it, he'd do something crazy. Do you recall? Was it the game, the snow game in Baltimore? Yeah. When it was snowing and he got the ball and you're like, oh, that, no, that, no, that's no. not much of a play. Don't don't do that. Oh, it's a touchdown. Yes. Cordell Patterson was one. So that doesn't mean that they're star players necessarily, but they're players that could take something and you think it's screwed up and then actually convert it to something productive. Yeah. it's. I think basketball is pretty easy to find those guys who are those heat check guys. Yeah, Jamal Crawford's No, 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 no. Oh, yes. It's just, yeah, just made There's the like, I mean, you, you could argue that J.R. Smith is the, J.R. Smith is the classic no, 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 yes player. And, uh, and, and his no, no, yes sort of space cadet way of going about things, maybe cost the Cavs a championship if they would have won that game. Who knows if they could go and just win their home games. But I'm trying to think of other... There's, there's got to be a couple Timberwolves players to think of. Um, the Gopher basketball team with Isaiah Washington, mm-hmm. he's no, no, no right now. But I think he turns into no, 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 yes. Who was at some the, point. He's Mr. Basketball in New York a couple years ago, so there's something in there. Who was the player that transferred here for Patino's first or second year? Yes, Malik Smith. Malik Smith. He was... Cla- <laughs> You'd be like, you're not going to take that shot. Don't take that... Cash. Oh, nice shot. He also missed, I think, his last 25 oh, three-pointers or no something to end again. his career. Yeah. But he was... He was the type of guy who you said who you eventually said don't take that shot and he'd take it and every once in a while and he he actually got hot as the tournament approached I think so it was like oh okay good shot okay how about this one Brett Favre <laughs> yeah, well, the name that was just like coming it. out of my head too the it, ultimate and at times, no no it was no 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 no, no, oh, no! God, no. Mm-hmm. in fact after they won the championship in 1996 his entire career was basically like. No, 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 no. Oh, my God, no. And big games. Well, week three, 2009, right? That's a no, 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 yes. Yeah. I mean, you've got this last second play, and he gets he gets by the, the defender, and you're like, okay, he's going to make a... And he just chucks a Greg Lewis of all people? Yeah. Like, you saw that ball go into to, uh, Greg Lewis? Are you serious? And Greg Lewis made the best catch of his life. You know what? Adrian Peterson had a touch of it, too, in terms of, all right... It just get four yards, or he just kind of he'd be behind the line of scrimmage, tap dance, tap dance, tap dance, and all of a sudden, boom, he'd bust off a sixty-yard touchdown mm-hmm. run. Or actually, well, ba- Barry Sanders even more than Adrian Peterson, where he's literally like running behind the line of scrimmage back and forth, ten yards back, trying to find some sort of a hole. AP yeah. famine, 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 feast. <laughs> that was his life. Yeah. Someone emails the show here. Matt emails and says. Rosario has become a poor man's Vlad Guerrero, which is an amazing compliment. I mean, Vlad did it hitting... Vlad could hit a pitch 450 feet from his shoelaces all the way to his eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And Rosario's got that same type of... Uh, oh, here's one. Royce texts in the show. Case Keenum. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. No, no, no don't, don't, don't do that. that. Don't throw that ball. Lobs one up. Don't, yeah. No, Duck case. off a defender and chuck up a quail to Adam Thielen, who happens to be wide open in the middle of the field. Yes. Poor man's far. Sure. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, you can you can tweet into us at Phil Mackey at fifteen hundred ESPN Joe. We'll take suggestions. But uh, something very important popped up here behind the glass. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Tonight, the Major League Baseball June draft. The Twins selecting 20th overall. And Dave Harrigan has found one from DraftUtopia.com. The Utopia of Sports. Yes. Would you like to uh, take us through the first round, or at least I, I don't know a couple very highlights? Very happy to. I right. I actually I have two different mocks I have stumbled across. There's a big lead mock that has the Twins. I'll just jump right to twenty because the top of the draft seems uh, pretty standard. Uh, there's a pitcher out of Auburn. Uh, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, Casey Mize. Yeah, he seems to be the consensus number one. Uh, but you drop down to twenty. Uh, the Twins, according to the big lead, they say they're going. Shane McClanahan, left-handed pitcher out of South Florida, looked okay. like a top 10 for months, has had a couple bad outings, so he's dropped off, but he can touch 100 miles an hour consistently. Okay, He's got a rocket arm, and he's a lefty, so that looks pretty good. But let me tell you, DraftUtopia.com, the utopia of <laughs> sports, they disagree. They have the Twins possibly reaching a little bit. A kid that I've seen... Anywhere from about 25 to 30, and frankly, uh, not in a lot of mock drafts, at least round one. Yep. They are going with, at number 20, pitcher out of Heritage High School, Georgia. I don't know whether he's a righty or a lefty. Cole Wilcox. I want to mock. Mock! I want to mock. Mock! And we do have another very in-depth breakdown. The Twins get another yes. arm for depth here. Cole Wilcox is the top high school pitcher on the board at this point. Is this our guy? That's it. So is this, this, is this a reach this our... or not a reach then? Because if he's the top high school pitcher on the board, I'm, at I, this can see point, the, I can see the upside. A lot of, of high school pitchers perhaps went early in this mock. Yeah, he's not the top high school pitcher on the board, right? Just at that point yes. okay. in the mock so, draft. Okay, so the, we're saying he's a slight reach. I've seen other respected yeah. mocks that have him like like 27th in the Nationals. Mock. That was a popular spot. Oh, the fact that you can call them other respected baseball draft mocks is great. Well, fan graphs. It was fan graphs okay. that had him. I mean, okay. That's very respected. What Don't mock the mock, Judd. What can't be mocked now? What can't be mocked? <laughs> Nothing. I'm a little disappointed here. I, I was What's hoping wrong? that we'd find some sort of mock draft, even just a one-round mock draft for tonight's Major League Baseball draft on DraftBlaster.com. DraftBlaster. Hey, at least we have Draft Utopia. In between your soup and Sammy combo, you get a little MLB <laughs> Is that him? That's our it. guy? Oh, yeah, that's my guy. Who, who now, who now f- guy. follows Phil on Twitter, correct? Yeah, one of our listeners found tipped him off and said, you're getting him. a lot of run on 15 He follows the station as well. Very happy to see that. can't believe we didn't have him on today to talk about this draft to find out if the Twins are going to reach a 20. He's we should replace salads. We should replace intern Max with the guy from DraftUtopia.com. What if, what if we could have an exchange? We have him on to plug his stuff. We get the Soups and Sammies ourselves. So we don't I even mean, pay him. We just he just brings in. He food. just brings in food. That, that sounds then, like a terrible deal for him. We're not going to pay you, and you have to bring no, us. No, he can pub his own stuff. He can talk. He can talk while, while we eat. <laughs> well, I mean, do we pub the that. draft stuff only, or do we also pub the specials of the day at Panera? I'd be fine with both. I enjoy both of them. I, I enjoy the mocks and the uh, soup and sandwiches. Do you think they scoff at people who get the soup and sandwich combo? And instead of going, you know, side item with the soup, I'll get the carrots or something. They say, yeah, I'll have the giant hunk of bread, too. 
along with the sandwich. Yeah, I'm going to carb up today. I love the baguette. I do too. It's I'm fantastic. Fan but it's, I mean, let's be honest. And you it's get that more butter bread out, you, you need when you're also it. getting the sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Speak for yourself. I would just want a side of third round breakdown. I don't even need the baguette. <laughs> Give me that I guy that breaks down the draft. Potatoes. That's my side. He can sit with, with me and tell me if the Twins are going to reach it to one. Hang on. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Well, you don't really have a choice. On 1500 ESPN. Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Beginning of the year, they struggled a little bit to find some chemistry, but they're very close friends. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Talking twins. Now, with 1500ESPN.com senior web editor and resident seam head Derek Wetmore, presented by the Canopy Group for the best insurance coverage at the absolute best price. High fly to left field. Deep to left field. Tie game. Good time to hit his first home run here at Target Field. Number nine on the year and the first home run hit in his home ballpark. High drive to right field. Going back is Allen. Gone! Rosario backs up Dozier with another home run. Home run number 12 on the year. Rosario puts the Twins ahead. It's not often, and I know, Wetmore, you were uh, you were at a bachelor party this weekend. You weren't taking in the excitement at Target Field. You Missed were it. Taking in the excitement somewhere else. <laughs> Different kind of excitement <laughs> <Yes>. entirely. <laughs> uh, but you and you did turn on the TV just in time to see the third of the uh, of the Rosario home runs. It's pretty amazing when you get a curtain call at some point in the game, and then later on you take it to another level yes. and hit your third and and walk off. He got the curtain call after the second home run, and then comes through. We were just talking about him earlier in the hour. He has become clear-cut the best hitter in this lineup the last two years. And last night was kind of this this culmination of the Eddie Rosario show starting in 2017. He really is. And we should give him credit where other hitters have been here and been the best hitter. You could lay claim to four or five different guys who've been the best hitter in the lineup over the last two or three years. Rosario's kind of just been there. And it's weird, it's weird to say because... He's such a roller coaster type player that yeah he'll throw to the wrong base or he'll like overthrow a cutoff man but then he's gunning somebody out at the plate and yeah he'll strike out at a ball at his eyes but then he'll hit a walk off home run at a ball at his chin mm-hmm. and he's such a I mean he's frustrating and fascinating all kind of rolled into one but it's really hard to argue your point here that he's the best hitter Miguel Sano's fallen off obviously Dozier's a, a good hitter and he's very streaky I would take sure. I would take Rosario in that head to head yeah and he's going to be around probably for longer if you're Eddie Rosario but Joe Maurer could have laid claim to that for a short stretch last year Ravi Grossman could have laid claim to that but there's nobody who's sort of I guess who's ridden that roller coaster and landed up on top quite like Eddie Rosario has, not just this year, but last year too. What's the key to the change, uh, Derek, from from him being a completely irresponsible player who was fun to watch but just screwed up? I mean, he'd sure. throw to the wrong base, he'd forget the outs, he'd run, he'd he'd you know try and take third, and it made no sense. Sure. What's been the what's been the transformation from from the always oh no 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 and it doesn't end well to the I think that's not a very smart. Oh wait, that just worked, because there there does there does seem to be more of a confidence that while he can be a goofy player at times, the amount of the amount of just stupid mistakes I think I think has been cut down. Well, I, but you I tell me, I don't have a good answer for that question, Judd, because to me he's still that guy. Okay, 
Fair and enough. maybe, hey, maybe I'm just too down on him because I enjoy clean baseball. Like, Phil and I talk about this a lot. I'm a weird baseball fan. Like, I want two-to-one pitcher's duel, strikeouts. The team that made the error loses. You screwed up. You deserve to so, lose. So you're a black-and-white baseball fan. It is It is uh, uncomfortable to watch baseball with me because I don't I don't respond the same way right. that other people. So to me, Eddie Rosario is still that guy. The difference, you ask what's changed, like how come I'm not harping on him and yep. now we're celebrating him and he's probably going to play in his first All-Star game a month and a week from today. Like The difference is that he's succeeding at the plate. He's been successful. He's hitting over 300. He's got, what, 13 home runs now on the year. The fact that his offense is now coming through, it's just great enough to wash over the fact that I think he still makes confusing mistakes on the bases. And and I still don't think he's flawless as a left fielder. Yeah. He certainly he's not flawless as a hitter either. He still strikes out a lot. Swing and miss rate is up there as high as anybody on the Twins. But he makes enough contact now, and he does damage with those pitches. And I'm perfectly willing to forgive all of his other baseball yeah. sins. Can I, can I add another layer to this? So I'm going to play a short clip from the post game yesterday. I love it when... When Spanish-speaking players who are sort of blossoming stars, when they make an effort to connect with English-speaking American fans and and either try to get better at interviews or... And, and like Judd and I had Danny Santana on the show three or four years ago from spring training. Was it great? Not, I mean, if it was in Spanish, he would have been great because he's got a personality. But I love the fact that he came up not speaking English at a high level and said, I want to do a radio interview. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go outside my comfort zone. Rosario, according to Dustin Morse, the Twins communications director, has been working really hard on his English the last couple of years. He's from Puerto Rico. He's been working really hard on his English so that when he has a three home run game, he can, without a translator, connect with Twins fans like he did yesterday. He already hit two home runs in this game. When you came to the plate there in the ninth, were you thinking a third home run? Hell yeah! Why no? <laughs> like that's awesome, oh, and, 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 and it's and it's actually there's a there's an issue with baseball. A lot of the top star players come from Dominican Republic or Venezuela or Puerto Rico, and they don't speak very good English. And so you see these guys and or Cuba and and Yasiel Puig burst out of the scene five years ago, and it's like I want to know more about him. And there's a communication barrier that prevents that relationship from fully molding like it might with Aaron Rodgers and Packer fans, for instance. Agreed, and. Credit to Rosario for bridging this gap. It is also, and this is an unpopular opinion maybe, but it's also on us as reporters. How hard have we worked to bridge the Spanish gap? Like basically not at all, right? So if there's a if there's a problem in baseball in terms of marketing and, well, you can't really communicate with some of the brightest stars in the game because they're just, you know, I'm not going to learn Japanese to help cover Shohei Otani. That's on me. That's on me. That's not on Shohei Otani. I think it's like it's a bridge that yeah, there's, a the middle, there's a middle ground in some form. Meet in the middle. If and you I want think to connect with fans, you can't tell fans all of you have to learn Japanese. No. So there's there's got to be some sort of give and take. Also, as a uh, intermediary to that game, fan uh, uh, media, analysts, writers, reporters, anything, whatever, it's like some of that's on us. Some of that is on that we... Uh, collectively haven't done as good of a job. I will give Major League Baseball some credit now that every team, to my knowledge anyway, every team has a Spanish-speaking translator, yes, which, which, which definitely helps. And you know, there were some teams dragging their feet last year, but it's like, well, why? So, hang on. You just spent $120 million on your payroll. Pay a guy fifty grand yeah. to go around with the team, <laughs> yeah, give him some right. free meals. Yeah, That's right. It's like really <laughs> stipends and like a part-time gig. But there, there's, I don't know. I just think if marketing is... 
problem 1A for Major League Baseball with how to collect connect with millennials, mm-hmm. you know, my generation and younger. Um, maybe it, maybe it's not. Maybe it is really pace of play and all of this stuff. But I, I just think that baseball as a sport can do better marketing in the way that like the NBA has created superstars. Partly okay by giving them calls and stuff like that, great. But really, marketing and driving that promotional bus that now we're watching the Golden State Warriors versus the Cleveland LeBron Jameses, and it's and it's fascinating. I don't really get that sense that baseball has elevated to that. But anyways, this is all a long-winded way of saying like Rosario's kind of pushing his way into that camp for the Twins. He's a fun. He's fun. He is absolutely like he's a fun wh- player and personal personality. Reality-wise, excuse me, he's also a funny yeah. guy. Well, like, where Max Kepler has been a pretty good hitter this year, and we talked for a while, you guys, about the two guys in the corners are really excelling. Yep. Eddie Rosario and Max Kepler. Like, I like Max Kepler a lot. He's a fun guy to talk to. He's tame compared with the way Rosario celebrates, and after games, too, you can just kind of, the cut of their jib is Kepler's a little bit different. Back. He's, a, he's just laid back. I mean, he's stoic. He's, he's a robot. I yeah. feel like he's, he's like a baseball robot sent... To hit line drives From to Berlin. right center field, and manufactured is, in Berlin, which is fine too. Yeah, I mean that's they come in all different shapes. Sizes, I mean, Buxton and seems, seems like a really good kid, but if he does become a star, he's still just going to be sort of he's laid, pretty laid back. Laid back. Yep. Yeah. yep, that's just him. What is um, when when Buxton went on the DL? Did they give any timeline a week ago when he won the on the DL? They were going to talk. Uh, hey. Take a blow, five or six days, we'll see where you're at. So I would expect here in the next day or two, they're going to see what's... I mean, maybe they take another MRI or X-ray. I guess I'm not clear on that plan, but it was get off of the foot for a while, stop trying to run down balls in the gap, and expecting a hairline fracture to heal itself. I don't know if a, if a fracture in your toe can really heal that quickly, right. but maybe the pain tolerance gets a little bit better. And then go somewhere else, not here, and try and hit. Here's the sure. thing, okay? Yeah. As a guy who broke his big toe 20 years ago, just like being an idiot and playing basketball in a pair of sandals. Mm-hmm. Same caliber athlete, by the way. Clearly the same caliber out. athlete. It still clicks to this day. Really? And I still, it's, it's probably like early stage arthritis, because it's like, what are you supposed to do other yeah. than... Pu- you put your foot in a boot. Yeah, I guess. You, I mean, is it pain tolerance for you, or can you not feel I, it? Some days, if I'm out, if I walk around twenty thousand steps or something, yeah, I feel it at the end of really? the day. Really? Okay. And See? I'm not. And I'm not. No, well, Byron Buxton has a better chance, I think, with professional people around him to come back and like be okay. Phil Speed is gone too. I'm yeah. saying yeah. Yeah. that exactly. great speed. <laughs> yeah. Phil had speed twenty yeah. years ago. It was un, It was phenomenal it's, it's, it's speed. More now. pressure on the foot too <laughs> of Byron Buxton. I do wonder. I'm like it's a hard thing to just heal yes. and be fine. Somebody and 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 I did a little digging on this at the time. Originally, if you have a hairline fracture like in your thumb, let's say. Well, you can immobilize a thumb, like unless you're uh, unless you're working with your hands all the time or whatever. Pretty good likelihood that you can just say for like three or four weeks, like I'm gonna put this in a hard cast. This thing's just got to heal up on its own, and then PT to recover. With a foot, you can't really do that. Short of like Phil just said, getting up off your feet. Maybe you put it in a hard boot yeah, or something I, like that. Don't don't you guys think that this is to is to to give the toe some time, but m- more importantly, or he just, or just as break. much the mental break. He, it came and I get to Rochester now, and now and now that's fine I, because it's now now you're you're not demoting him. It's sure. a rehab assignment. I just this to me was probably they they screwed up by not having him go out previously, yeah. and and putting him right back against uh, California in California. So I think this is just the logical thing for, hey, this guy's a complete mess mm. at the plate. Well, put it this way, the the sort of, I don't know if you'd call it a re-aggravation, but the ability to take a step back came at a really good time for Byron Buxton. Mm-hmm. Like, 
the injury probably came at a bad time originally. Obviously, that's been a big part of his career, a big storyline along his development is that he hasn't really had a full runway to develop because he was getting taken off the field for stretches at a time. So that's definitely part of it. I think that it's a little overly convenient to just say that his toe is throbbing, which I, I'm not discrediting that at all. Like I've talked to Buxton multiple times through this. It's He's not going to make the excuse, but the Twins should make it for him because he's very clearly playing through a lot of pain. Several guys in that clubhouse are. It's it's not enough to explain what we saw at the plate, though. Byron Buxton has more problems than the broken toe, and I think if you're able to fix at least that, then you can get to work on fixing some of the other problems, which are contact issues, diagnostic as a pitch, pick recognition, and, and all of that stuff that has made him a feeble hitter for times. I want the toe fully healthy. I want to be able to see what Byron Buxton is at full capacity, and then the challenge is on him to develop better as a hitter. I have a, a thought off what you just said about Buxton and why I'm still, regardless of what happens in the next four months, why I'm still going to be a little bit nervous on behalf of Twins fans. Let's talk more with Wetmore here. Go, You can go download our Touch Em All podcast, too, anywhere you would find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, 1500ESPN.com, the new mobile app. Uh, all kinds of Twins content on there and new episodes on a weekly basis. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Let's talk about uh, Chris Lindahl here for just a second. Chris Lindahl Real Estate is uh, the announcement that Chris and his team made last week. Chris Lindahl has broken out on his own, and this is this has been a dream of his for a long time. This This allows Chris to do a lot more innovating in the Twin Cities and Minnesota real estate uh, landscape. It's the same team, and it's all of the same great marketing and expertise you get with the old format. But now it's Chris Lindahl Real Estate. The real estate brokerage is here, and uh, it's just a way for Chris and his expert marketers and team to get 100% control of the brand. I've worked with Chris for about two years. I had uh, a house or a condo go on the market and, and, and get a full-priced offer within three hours about a year and a half ago. And I made tens of thousands more dollars on the sale of that condo than I would have if I wouldn't have worked with Chris and his team. 763-4. This is where the magic starts. Mackie and Judd now continue. Showtime. On 1500 ESPN. Join past and present NHL players for a day of golf at the 2018 Minnesota NHL Alumni Classic. This year's event is taking place Monday, July 16th at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. In addition to a round of golf, each registration includes on-course food and beverages, dinner, player gifts, and more. For all the details and to register, head to 1500ASPN.com, keyword events. A high fly to center field. It's hit deep. Zimmer back. Gone! A walk-off home run for Rosario, his third of the day. In this game, when you came to the plate there in the ninth, were you thinking a third home run? Hell yeah. Why no? <laughs> Eddie Rosario. We sp- we've spent a couple segments talking about Rosario, so you can always go back, find uh, our show on demand. Touch Em All podcast is where you can find me and Derek having deep dive twins conversations. Derek Wetmore from 1500ESPN.com. And uh, just back to the Buxton thing for a second here. Because I think if if they are to make this you know, make a run in the second half and take advantage of a weak division, it's going to have to be in part because Buxton comes back and Sano starts hitting more and maybe Irv comes back. There's like a checklist of things that 
if you were a pipe dreamer, you could look at it and say, yeah, this could propel the Twins in the second half. Yeah. This is what this is where I'm long term on Buxton. I'm I don't know if there's anything that can happen this season that would make me think going into next year. Yep, all right, he's turned a corner for sure, and he's a complete product. In his career to date, he's had 580 plate appearances in the first half of the season and just under 500 in the second half. His OPS in the first half of the season is 250 points lower than his OPS in the second half. In the second half, if you just took second half Byron Buxton, 500 plate appearances, so like five-sixths of a full season for him. 22 bombs, 67 ribs, 78 runs. If you're, uh, you know, if you're looking at back of the baseball card stats, 18 stolen bases, and a slash line of 262, 318 on base, and slugging 489. So you would flat out take that. I think every year with Gold Glove defense. Yep. First half, Byron Buxton, 203, 257 on base, 302 slugging, only six home runs. And uh, not on base enough to to really matter. And like, you, if you just had to choose, you wouldn't take that player even with the defense and the base running. The first, right. the the first half, Buxton. Yep. Yeah, yep. It's, it's unplayable. Yep, you unplayable. can't play him. That is a uh, fourth outfielder bench bat, Rochester depth. Yeah, but second half, Buxton, who's hitting twenty plus bombs and stealing bases and getting on base to an acceptable degree and playing Gold Glove defense, that's one of the better players in Major League Baseball. Superstar. Yes. Absolute superstar. And that's what's kind of maddening about this. I was talking with somebody about this the other day that, man, God, it's just been all bad news for the Twins. There's the Irvin Santana deal, Jorge Polanco suspension, Miguel Sano on and off the disabled list, Joe Maurer's concussions have come back, Brian Dozier is fine, but not electric Brian Dozier. God, and now Buxton's hurt. Lance Lynn's off to a terrible start. How much more bad news could you possibly get? And the yeah, but to that, to borrow a phrase from Phil Mackey, is like, if Byron Buxton is that big of a superstar, it smooths over so many problems. You can forget about a Lance Lynn slow start. You don't care if Fernando Rodney has some rocky outings. You don't care if Addison Reed gives up runs three outings in a row. It's just easier to build a winning baseball team, a 90-95 win baseball team, with a superstar player hitting in the middle of the order, playing center field, and generally out-competing the world. And that's what is so frustrating, is that Buxton hasn't been that yet. Uh, Yep, injury is definitely a part of it. But I choose to look at this from sort of the optimistic bent of, okay, the Twins are kind of right there. They're, what is it, three and a half back from the Indians Mm -hmm. after this weekend. you got to catch the Tigers first, though. I know, I will. (laughs) We'll just see. Cardi's got those guys. Battling second place Playing. in the American League Central and first pick in the draft. Well, but I would yeah. just say that on Buxton, you could just you could you can be this spot where you're at right now, having gotten basically nothing from a lot of your good players, and then flip the switch and go like this. This team can be they can play at a 95 win pace if they're pitching like this. If their bullpen cleans up just a little bit here and there. And then they get the lineup that we think they might have, that we thought at the beginning of the season. We thought they were going to have one of the best offenses in baseball. That wasn't even a hot take. That was just sort of universally agree. We are like, yeah, sure. this is a great offense. If they can pitch, they'll be there. This offense is now, I think, starting to come to life a little bit and is doing it without the superstars. So get some of those guys back in there. Get Buxton back clicking. Get Sano. Maybe Maurer comes back and contributes. This Sano, team though. can make things pretty interesting for the rest of the summer. Sano, though. You got no clue. Throw your hands up. Yeah, exactly. My only question in this division is very simple: When is Cleveland going to address its bullpen? 
Because if it does, and if it gets that right, they're going to be absolutely fine. Well, I don't know. Oliver Perez but is they there. Keep no, I don't know why. But, they just fixed but, it. But every, what are you talking but, about? But Oliver but Perez every, pitched yesterday. Every day they don't, though, give, right. gives you a chance, if you're the Tigers or Twins right now, to hang around. That's right. Well, I think Andrew Miller getting healthy would help. And the it definitely last would. report I saw is he was going to throw over the weekend, throw a bullpen. But and, I think and you maybe need one soon. more component there, too, at least. Definitely And agree. that's going to be a prospect who's pretty good who gets traded, probably. Co- Cody Allen gets it on track, or you know, you find another, if you can find, steal a Ryan Presley type from somebody. They're going to be sellers. There's no question about that. There's no shortage of sellers, and in fact, some of the selling has already begun. So I'd get on the phone with one of those teams, go get their setup guy. I, I can give you a list of names you know, if you give me an afternoon to just put together, here are the bad teams who don't care and aren't trying, and we'll sell you a cost-controlled reliever. And there's a few of those, yes. Go do that if you're at Cleveland, because their advantage coming into the season was starting pitching, Corey Kluber, Trevor Bowers really figured it out, Carrasco. You're like, okay, yeah, that's a that's a starting staff. And then their bullpen you trusted, and of course they're often, and they got superstars of superstars in their offense. Jose Ramiro, uh, Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor are two of the best players in baseball. Michael Brantley's back to doing Michael Brantley things. That's a great team, top to bottom, save for the bullpen. And so if I'm Cleveland and I'm looking across the way, I see the Twins all of a sudden have a starting staff. What happened there? And oh, their offense is waking up. Like this, this would be a moment where if I was Cleveland's front office, I wouldn't just be content to sit back and say, well, we've got the lead and we're Cleveland. No, you probably have to do something to go fix yeah. this club. It's also the easiest thing to patchwork in the middle of a season. There's so many teams. There's seven or eight guys on every losing team. There's five guys out there they could trade. Now, if if you lack a if you lack a Corey Kluber or a Francisco Lindor, you're not going to find one on July 31st. Right. But if you lack uh, a Fernando Rodney or something that you can just plug into the eighth, then you can find those guys around the league. If you lack sure. Trevor Hildenberger or Ryan Presley or fill in the name of a reliever that you trust and you like, but is not your closer. Yeah, those guys are available. Derek Wetmore, 1500ESPN.com. He covers the Twins, and uh, we talk about Twins baseball at length on the Touch Em All podcast. Thank so, you, sir. Hi, dude. Thanks, Thanks for coming guys. in. Dave, what does questions have for us next? Is questions ready? Yes, questions wants to get back to the Michael Kendricks saga and a question coming off that video we all watched of LeBron and the Cavs bench following the J.R. Yes. Smith Game 1 debacle. And uh, Rob Fornes, your longtime Gopher Baseball uh, assistant head coach, will join us in about a half hour or two to talk about that regional win last night. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Let's go. Come on, we're waiting. On 1500 ESPN.